Well, 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 the Blue Bloods are here, and Week 8 decided to bring us so many great games, upsets, and huge unexpected performances. We're bringing you two segments today. We're going to kick it off with Pick 6 Recap, in which we are going to recap the six biggest games of the weekend for you guys. And we're going to wrap the show up with kind of like just, it's like every segment we've ever had, and just like into one segment. We're talking about big performances, upsets, and the biggest storylines of the weekend. I mean, Brandon, is Rutgers finally good? Was Miles Brennan really the problem with LSU? And what about that performance of Graham Mertz? That was Brandon's boy. He tabbed him like episode two when we started this. Well, he showed up Friday night. We're going to get into all those in the second segment here. We have a full show today, guys. So let's go ahead and kick this one off. It delivered everything I could ask for, everything you could ask for, and even more. I mean, we're here with Pick 6 Recap. Um, Brandon, let's not waste any time, man. Let's start off with the ACC beatdown of the weekend up there in Pittsburgh, in which the number three Notre Dame Fighting Irish dominated the Pitt Panthers 45-3, to Brandon. What can you take away from this game other than that Pitt really, really, really wishes it had Kenny Pickett as its quarterback? I mean, I guess it's just mostly that I probably shouldn't be trusted with gambling picks anymore. Like, I like I get it. Like, I've been the gambling guy on this podcast for like a minute now. But, geez, I, I gave you all the lock of, I think I called it the century. And I said the pit uh, minus or plus nine and a half was was the lock of the century. Well, that, that I got proven wrong um, because Notre Dame decided, <laughs> Notre Dame decided, you know what, we're about to drop 45 on them. And they did, and, and good lord, man! I, I don't, I, I don't even know what to take away from this game, because in the first really, quarter, it, I was like, I was like, maybe I'm right, maybe this game is going to be kind of close. And the second quarter rolled around, and I was like, oh, oh, I'm an idiot. Okay, I get that. Cool. I don't know. I mean, this game was so bad. I almost bought a ticket to go check on Nick. I almost flew into Pennsylvania just to check on check on our guy up there. I was like, man, are you okay? I texted. We were texting back and forth. I mean. I mean, this morning it was so bad. He was texting me about like who who could replace, you know, the entire coaching staff, offensive coordinator, everything. I mean, that's how bad this got here, Brandon. I mean, if you were questioning how much they would miss Kenny Pickett, then I think you got a resounding answer this weekend. Uh, and Brandon, I know you're gonna. I know people are listeners saying like it was forty five to three. Was the starting quarterback the sole reason this happened? And what the sole reason? But I think this defense collapsed down the stretch because the offense just kept putting them in bad positions and kept kept them on the field almost the entire game. Right. It, you can't you can't have. I mean, Brandon, this offense mustered up a hundred and sixty two total yards, only ten first downs, and a twenty three percent third down conversion rate. Oh my god! Only hold on. <laughs> How many yards? A hundred and sixty two. Okay. Not well. Not great. Not not great at all. I mean, Joey Yellen looked inexperienced, shook, overwhelmed about this fighting Irish defense all game long. I mean, 
37 percent completion percentage, 101 yards, Brandon, and three interceptions. His pro football focus grade was a 27. I don't know what that means, but yeah. Yeah, that means um, based on his entire performance, he graded out at a 20 on a 100 scale. I thought you thought he was at a 27. Yeah, a 27 on a 100. I mean, that's a that's a bad grade on anything. Yeah, uh, no, like don't even think about giving me a 27 on anything, or we're gonna stop. <laughs> you know, me, me and Brandon joke about you'd have to re, re retake the class. I don't think they'd even let you back in the school if you made a 27. So you know what? You I think <laughs> it's like you're gonna have you're gonna have to be a, like just you got to change majors. You got to go to the community college up the road. You can't give me a 27 in in a game like this. But the O line didn't help him much, Brandon. We've talked about this O line not really creating any rushing production, not really protecting even Kenny Pickett. They gave up another three sacks. They gave up six quarterback hurries. And Brandon, I, I want I want to get your opinion on this. I think this running game might be the worst in the entire country. Well, and so I was also talking to Nick, and Pitt really does love to give it to uh, their 150 pound running back like 30 times a game, and we saw that happen. And he just can't go anywhere. Well, yeah, and there's not even a single. I mean. Uh, and there's there's really not even a single running back that I would trust. So if they had to gain one yard, Brandon, for my life against Clemson's defensive line, I I would just go ahead and just walk off whatever plank bridge that I would I had to walk off on because I don't trust them to get a single yard against a def- a, a good defense. Right. No. That I- four, they average two point two yards per rush, Brandon. Yeah. No, I mean their leading rusher had 28 yards on eight carries, and he had he had three and a half yards a carry. Um, but he had yeah. 19 yards on one carry. He got like he got like yeah. 60, 70 percent of his yards on one rush. Broke free on that one, but no, nah, every other one, ooh, tough, tough. Day. I mean, and, and so hear me out. So you can't really run the ball. So you're down 45 to three. Why wouldn't you just be looking for someone you could depend on? I mean, he, uh, Vincent Davis was their leading rusher. He was the only player that had more than three touches in the run game. Yeah, I. great question. I mean, do you trust Joey Yellen that much? We're going to hand the ball off to everyone less than three times, except for one dude who apparently isn't very good either? Well, so... I think the problem with with Pitt's offense is that they don't they don't really trust this run game whatsoever. I mean, that's why we see that they only had what like twenty combined carries between yeah. the running backs, and mm-hmm. I think six of those were by Yellen, and those included sacks. So, I mean, they they're just not handing the ball off because they don't trust these running backs. But I don't know with a with a true freshman quarterback who isn't playing a very spectacular game. I mean, who's going tw- ten for twenty seven? I think you have to try to trust your run game just a little bit more. I think so too. I mean, and listen, I don't know if this pit offense, you know, needs a new offensive coordinator, needs a new head. The whole team needs a new head coach. Or how about this, Brandon? How about a rushing coordinator? Kind of like the passing coordinator thing that Joe Brady did for LSU, where he kind of revolutionized that offense. Let's bring in a rushing coordinator. Who is just gonna be Mike Allstott? He's gonna be. Yeah. He's gonna be. <laughs> Listen, as an Auburn fan, I will personally deliver Gus Malzahn to Pitt's door. You can have him. We don't need him. <laughs>
Yeah, I, I don't even need them. You need a passing game coordinator? I'll deliver you Chad Morris right to your door for free. No shipping costs, anything. But, Brandon, you know, we've been critical of him all year, but Ian Book played his best game of the year this year. I mean, so far. I mean, and this was against a pit defense that was holding teams to under 300 total yards. Right. I don't know, man. It, and he threw for over 300, three touchdowns, had 40 yards on the ground. And Brandon, over the middle of the field, between the numbers, 10 plus yards down the field, he was four for four, 82 yards and two touchdowns. Man, that's wild. A- against a team that has probably the best safety in college football in Paris Ford. Right. And he's doing that over the middle, down the field. Yeah. And Paris Ford got mossed in the end zone late in the game like i was disappointed like i'm a i'm the biggest paris moss fan uh or paris paris ford my bad he got moss so he's paris moss now but yeah i was just disappointed brandon i I was upset uh like it was disrespectful to do that to the best safety in college football Uh, yeah that surprised me now i didn't see it because i was i was on my way down to tiger stadium you told me about it and i was shocked I, i would still be upset i'd be having nightmares yeah. Personally, uh, you know, it was just nice to see that, Brandon, because, I mean, when we first started this podcast, we talked about Ian Book potentially being a Heisman Trophy contending quarterback. He has the potential to be one of the best quarterbacks in the country, but he always seems to fail to live up to that hype week in and week out. But then he puts up performances like this that's like, how do you overlook this kid? And it's like, why can't he put this together week in and week out for, for this team? Yeah, I mean, he looked spectacular this weekend. I, I don't know. And, and playing against the defense he did, I mean, that's really a true testament to the quarterback that he can be, man. But I don't know. I mean, it, it has to be consistent. And I think if there's anything that Ian Book really isn't, that's kind of consistent. <laughs> I like that description. Um, but it, honestly, man, this the matchup that I said to watch was the Notre Dame O-line versus the elite defense line of Pitt. And it was just uh, not well for Pitt. Uh, they, I mean, they did get two sacks, but that's way below their average right now. And Book w- was able to push the ball down the field. It was a huge difference in the game. I mean, they rushed for over 100 yards against a defense that was allowing under 50 per game. They did allow 12 tackles for loss and 11 quarterback hurries, but they still, Book was pushing the ball, getting the ball out of his hands. And Brandon, really and truly, after the, into the second half, they looked fatigued. Their offense was failing to move the ball for the second week in a row, and I think all those reps finally caught up to this pit defense. And we saw it happen, or I saw it happen with Auburn last year, where in some of these games, the Bo Nix was turning the ball over and not moving the ball, and this defense just got tired. Yeah, um, no, I mean you you can't have your defense on the on the field for most of the game. I mean that, that's just that's a recipe for disaster. Doesn't matter how good your defense is. And especially in two straight weeks of facing top fifteen teams, I mean that just right. beats you up. That 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 gets you out of your rhythm. And I think if I think everything, I, I think Pitt was playing with a house of cards for the past few weeks without Pickett, oh, and like it show. just finally came. <laughs> it's a very good show, um, but it was uh, it just all came crashing down this weekend, man. I think the roof collapsed in on them, and there really wasn't anything you could do. But I mean, listen, Kenny Pickett. According to some reports, maybe out for an extended amount of time. 
So this pit team is going to be searching for answers on their bye week next week for what they can do. Um, Notre Dame, they travel to Atlanta to take on the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets and, and what probably is another easy one for Notre Dame based on how Georgia Tech's been playing lately. But let's move to the Big Ten. It finally came back, and it finally delivers some pretty good matchups. But we have this one first, Brandon. Nebraska traveling to Columbus to take on Ohio State. Ohio State beat the Cornhuskers 52-17. And listen, another game that was another blowout that we predicted right here on the Blue Bloods. And I, Brandon, I don't think Ohio State left any doubt who the best team on the field was. No, I mean, I guess there was like a minute in the first quarter where I was like, oh, well, they're only winning by a touchdown. Or actually, Nebraska was winning at first. And I was like, yeah, Nebraska. Really? <laughs> I was like, is this, hold on, is this happening? Did, did Adrian Martinez actually score a touchdown? He did. Um, that that would be his last one of the game. So that I surprised. <laughs> before, before he got benched. <laughs> yeah, before he got benched. I mean, what, I mean, I don't, he went out in a blaze of, of uh, fury, though, didn't he? I, I mean, this might have been his best game, which is nuts. Which is sad because I have a whole thing just a little bit later about how Luke McCaffrey looked a thousand times better than he did. Well, yeah, he's a McCaffrey, so yeah. I mean, Brandon, uh, uh, listen, as long as Adrian Martinez suits up at quarterback for the Cornhuskers, their record is going to be 500 or worse. I don't understand why they're like, putting all their faith in this one guy. Like, I mean, you, you give McCaffrey a chance, Brandon. He goes four for five, 55 yards passing, 80 yards rushing. He averaged 11 yards per pass and nine yards per rush. And you're, you're telling me that Adrian Martinez is better than him. I mean, like I said, Adrian Martinez probably had the best game of his career at this point. He, he went 12 for 15 passing over 100 yards. He led the team in passing. He had 85 yards rushing with a touchdown. So, I mean, already better than McCaffrey in those two, uh, in those two categories. <laughs> but he, he played three, three quarters. Yeah, yeah, that's the part that people forget about. It's the part that people don't talk about enough. <laughs> it's like he was the starter. He got way more options. But right now on the other side of the ball, Justin, Justin Fields looked elite. Yeah, also led his team in passing and rushing. Yeah, and it, man, I don't know about you. This offense this year looks more talented than the team that made the playoff run last year. I don't know. I, I feel like that's a, I feel that's a stretch. I I don't know, man. Because listen, Fields completed ninety over ninety five percent of his passes. Only had one incompletion, two seventy rushed for over fifty yards and three total touchdowns, and had a ninety seven QBR. Brandon, <laughs> pretty good. I don't know how that. I don't know how it's not a hundred. Well, he had that one incompletion. Oh God! How dare we? <laughs> Let's make it a ninety-nine point like four or something. But listen, I mean, the reason I say this is because I think Trey Sermon and Master Teague. I think they're two of the best running backs in the country. I think they them combined equals a little bit more than what Dobbins by himself could bring. Uh, they combined for almost a hundred yards, two touchdowns, and I want to see them get more carries and opportunities, but. I don't think they got that this weekend, Brandon, because I think Fields had the hot hand. Yeah. And how about this wide receiving unit, man? I mean, Garrett Wilson, elite, 120 on seven catches in the touchdown. Chris Olave, six catches for 104 yards. And listen, he only took – he only had two catches. But that Jackson's that Jackson Smith kid? Right. Are you kidding me? That catch? Listen, I took two physics classes in high school, AP physics, all that. I still don't understand how that even works. 
ah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I mean, man, he was like he was like five yards out of bounds and his leg like extends and like drags. I'm like, you weren't even like you were already almost in the first row of the stands, man. I mean, it doesn't even make sense. <laughs> like, it's just like everything went to slow motion and he was just like, oh, oh, oh I got to put my foot down one second. <laughs> Paused everything. I don't know, man. This wide receiving unit has a lot of talent. They have a lot of speed. And I don't. I, and listen, I think Ohio State is going to make some defensive coordinators really wish they weren't defensive coordinators because I think they're going to put up a lot of points on some of these defenses. And I don't think there's many teams. I think there's only one team that's really ready for what Ohio State can bring to the table. And and who who's that? Uh, Michigan. Michigan. Okay. We'll get to them later, but uh, that team was the team of the week, man. That that team looked really good. Um. But Brady, you, you know, you said Adrian Martinez had his best performance in a while. I don't think Nebraska played a horrible game. I think the score makes it look like a blowout when really and truly, I thought Nebraska did some things that were good. They just have to clean up some of the some of the things they did to beat elite teams. I mean, their third down efficiency was bad, only forty percent. You got to keep the ball out of Fields' hands. That really hurt them. They had eight penalties for almost a hundred yards. That kills your offensive drives. Keeps the ball in Fields in this elite offense's hands. Plus the two turnovers. You can't turn the ball over against a team like Ohio State on the road and expect to win. But overall, I thought this Nebraska team looked. I guess a lot better than they did the previous two years. Yeah. I mean, it's not hard to look better than they did in the past two years. Like that shouldn't be, (laughs) that shouldn't be the benchmark for any team. Okay. So if they start, if they start Luke McCaffrey, what do you think the final score is? Uh, I mean, they still lose. I I guess. I would hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't saying they were going to upset them. I'm just saying like, I think it's even better. I mean, they might, they might've been like 28, 52. Like it wouldn't have been, too much better, I don't think, but it would have been better. Oh, I don't know, man. But listen, Ohio State looks like a legit contender for me, Brandon, uh, especially for the national championship. But the thing that I'm looking at their schedule, we saw some big upsets in the Big Ten that we're going to cover later. I don't think they're going to have a real test until Michigan. Uh, yeah, I mean, their schedule is not super hard. <laughs> I mean, I guess. I guess you know we did watch a couple of games this weekend that that might prove to make their schedule a little bit tougher than we thought it was going to be. Apparently, Indiana's not bad. Um, Penn State's not good, and Rutgers. I mean, good God, national <laughs> like, champions. Maybe I mean Zach's a Zach's a Butgers guy now. That's right. Hey, you know I said Michigan was the team of the weekend. I lied. Rutgers team of the weekend, close second. Coastal Carolina because of their locker room antics, but. Um, you know, I think Nebraska's on the upswing, Brandon. I think is Luke McCaffrey's going to take over this job sooner rather than later. But guys, Nebraska, they move on to host a red hot number nine Wisconsin team next weekend. And Ohio State travels to number 18 Penn State, who's looking to rebound from a tough loss that we're going to cover later in the show. But first, Brandon, we got to cover this blowout. Uh, number 23 NC State traveling to number 14 North Carolina. 41, 48-21 win for UNC. And listen, this was going to be a great matchup. Devin Leary um, injured, really took away from this. And Brandon, I don't think there's really much to take away from this other than UNC is better than NC State without their starting quarterback. Uh, I mean, 
I don't know. I, I wanted to see a better performance out of Sam Howell. He didn't have a bad performance by any means, but I need to see that game where he just breaks out and has a Heisman moment or has some kind of like a Heisman type game. Like there was way too much hype around his name to not have at least one of those games this year. Well, it's hard to take the ball out of Javante William or Michael Carter's hands when they're rushing for 300 combined yards every weekend. That I mean, fair enough. <laughs> Javante Williams looks like a man on fire this weekend. Uh, man, oh, what, over 160 yard rushing, three touchdowns. Brandon, I don't know if you know this stat. Javante Williams broke 17 tackles this weekend. That seems not fair. That seems like that seems Let's like a fake him. stat. Yeah. That is that's not even like he had 19 carries, Brandon. So he broke almost one. He on average one tackle per carry, just about. You know what? Let, let's have Javante Williams go. Uh, go, coach. Uh, let's be. Let's make him the the pit running game coordinator. There you go. Immediately. I mean, he was one of the highest graded running backs of the weekend. Obviously, with 163 touchdowns and 17 broken tackles, he graded almost a 90. But then you got Michael Carter, man, who put up over 100 himself and a touchdown. And, you know, when Williams is averaging eight yards per carry, Carter's averaging over six. This one-two punch, okay, Brandon, I know, you know, Clips has got Etienne. Uh, Oklahoma State has Chuba Hubbard and L.D. Brown. Bama has Najee Harris. But I'm having a real tough time finding a better one-two punch in the country on the ground than these two guys. Well, I mean, and, it's college football, so we don't typically get that two running back system very often. Right. Like this is kind of like a new development almost, and it's a very rare development in that. So, uh, I mean, uh, North Carolina is kind of—I mean, they're they're kind of running the same type of offense that we see a lot of uh, NFL teams. Know. Yeah, I mean, we saw the Saints well, a couple years ago with Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, uh, and that's kind of what this is like. Well, the only thing I can think of, I'm going to piss a lot of people off from this, and I'm not saying that these two guys are better than these next few guys I'll talk about. I'm saying their style of system is very similar. So, Brandon, there, there's only two things I can think of in college football that really fit this really well. The right. first one, being a little personal, it reminds me of a 2004 undefeated Auburn team when they had Carnell Williams and Ronnie Brown. Okay, yeah. One-two system. Javante Williams being Cadillac, the more explosive, fast, you know, outside back while Michael Carter and Ronnie Brown are up the middle, more physical type running backs. Um, and then the other comparison is just the year after Brandon. Do you remember Reggie Bush and Lindell white? People forget about them. Yeah. Yeah. That perfect. Javante Williams being a Reggie Bush type back. He's not Reggie Bush guys. I swear to God, that is not what I'm saying. I'm just saying they're very similar. While Michael Carter is the physical downhill back like Lindell white. And the funny part is Brandon, Jason Campbell was the quarterback for that Auburn team, and uh, Matt uh, Liner was the quarterback for uh, that USC team. Both of them had Heisman hype, yeah, and underperformed. I guess in their idea of underperforming because they were handing the ball off so much. So this USC team's taken a playbook right out of a book of a team of two teams that made national championship runs. Um, that's. It's a great page. They kind of choked it up last weekend at Florida State, but I think it's a great system, and if they can keep this going, I think they're going to be real tough to beat for anybody without a strong front seven. They have to do something about the defensive game, though, dude, because 
That's I thought good. their defense played a lot better this week than they did last week. I mean, they forced four turnovers, only no, allowed no, thirty no, 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 no. yards rushing. I wasn't. I wasn't speaking about in, this week. I was speaking in general, like this defense. Yeah, in general. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I mean, this weekend they played well. I mean, Chaz Surratt must be listening because he answered the challenge on the Blue Bloods after his atrocious performance last weekend. Um, eight total tackles, which led the team. One sack, one tackle for loss. That's impressive. They held the Wolfpack to forty percent on third down, one point eight yards per rush. Brandon, that's that's impressive, and forced four turnovers. Like I said, that's all great things. But like you said, if they're going to beat a team like Notre Dame, they're going to beat a team like Miami, a team like Clemson. They're going to have to play better defense, or it's going to get to a shootout type of game. And I think those teams can shut down this run game, and that could be a huge problem for UNC if Sam Howell is not clicking. No, absolutely. Uh, man, but Brandon, the storyline continues the same. I, I'm, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here, but Sam Howell under pressure has got to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Jesus Christ, dude! Like I, I don't know what you got to do to him. Like while he's walking through his, while he's walking to his dorm room, jump out, scare him. I mean, you got to like condition him to not flinch in the pocket like he is. And like I hear you, he probably shouldn't have to be under pressure as much as he is. But you kind of have to adapt to your environment as well. Like he is under pressure a decent amount. You feel like he would be used to it by now. I don't know, man. I mean, so listen. When he did, when he wasn't pressured, he has sixty eight percent completion percentage, two forty two, um, and and a touchdown. He had that was a ninety point five PFF grade on, right. on when he was not under pressure. Under pressure, that dropped to twenty five percent completion percentage for ten yards in a PFF grade of thirty seven. I mean, that's real tough. That's real, real tough. What is going to happen when he faces Brian Barisi and that Clemson defensive line? Oh, he's gonna die. Uh, I, know, I mean, what, no and, doubt even, about it. And listen, if Kenny Pickett was still with Pitt, I think Pitt would have a good shot at them. That defensive line's coming. I mean, I still think they'll beat Yellen because he'll probably throw three picks and they won't be able to run the ball and it'll be a whole thing. But man, Notre Dame's serious. I mean, they got after Yellen this weekend, like we talked about. I think this team has got to figure it on the offensive line. And if Howell doesn't start living up to the hype, Brandon, I mean, we could be looking at one of the more disappointing teams of the season. I mean, absolutely. Uh, I I don't know. We we for sure will be though. Um, but I thought Bailey Hockman, uh, Ben Finley. I thought they played decent, Brandon. I thought they played better than like uh, either of us would have guessed. I mean, their turnovers really hurt. You know, the Wolfpack. But Hockman, fifty eight percent completion percentage, two fifteen, a touchdown, an interception, and Finley had sixty five percent completion percentage, one forty three, a touchdown, and two ints. Uh. Turnovers have been a problem since both these guys got on campus, but I, I think this talented UNC defense was just opportunistic enough to make them pay. But Brandon, I don't think either of them have have to hang their head about anything. I thought they played very, very well for being thrusted into a game like this, where this UNC team was coming to make a point. No, I absolutely agree. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I feel like I was going to go somewhere with that, but I just, I blanked. I agree. <laughs> You're like Sam Howell under pressure in the pocket, but no, um, bad. <laughs> but guys, the Tar Heels travel to face the Virginia Cavaliers next weekend in a big ACC matchup, while the Wolfpack have a bye week before hosting the number 12 Miami Hurricanes. Uh, but now we're moving to um, 
man, I love this team so much. After watching this game, I'm so high on them. Uh, the number nine Cincinnati Bearcats pulling off the upset, shockingly, on the road, 42 to 13, beat up, Mr. I'm going to pick SMU. Um, do you want to apologize to Desmond Ritter or should I write it for you? Uh, you can write it for me because he showed nothing. He did nothing to this point in the season to show me that he was going to play like he did this weekend. <laughs> but he showed up this weekend. Oh, my God. Man, If listen, I want to say this. If Desmond Ritter plays like this, nobody that Cincinnati is going to face for the rest of the year will stand a chance against them. Yeah. And, and t- yeah. And, until the postseason. I think they'll beat whoever they play in the postseason. Well, I mean, unless it's something, unless it's something like outrageous. Yeah, let's let's wait till see. Like they're gonna like draw like Ohio State or something. And I was say, they're number to... seven right now, or they go undefeated throughout the rest of the season. Who, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, that's tough. And heck, um, Georgia probably still has to play Alabama again. Uh, Notre Dame has to play Clemson and UNC. Um, who who else is up there? Ohio State still has to face Michigan. Alabama still has to play uh, nobody, I guess, really just Georgia. Um, I was about to say LSU, but uh, well, hey, you know what? Now LSU, they have to play LSU because LSU might go undefeated now. But don't um, say that. Don't say that. Take it back right now. <laughs> <laughs> the jink of the century. Uh, but listen, Ritter, he was efficient, but not spectacular through the air. 62% completion percentage, 126 passing a touchdown. But Brandon, his ability to make plays with his legs is just, I think that's what makes him such a special quarterback in this conference. Yeah, no, nah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I mean he, he rushed for more yards than he passed for this weekend. Right? How yeah, do you do that? And, on eight carries, eight carries for 183 touchdowns and averaging 22 yards per carry. Yeah, I mean, what was his what was his longest run? I was at the LSU yards. Was, yeah, I was he he say. broke. He, he listen. He he stepped back, like he, he did like a small read option, and the the entire defense went right. He went left, and no one touched him for 91 yards. Brandon, I he mean, burned them. And and listen, this is. Right after, before he took the snap, the drop before it was throwing up on himself because he was sick. See, there's something there's something to that, though. I mean, if an athlete gets sick, like, say your prayers because you're probably done for. I don't know what it is, but like Jordan flu game, watch out. Yeah, he, he he throws like a third down pass, and then he just runs off the field. And the announcers are like, we're not going to show that because that was disgusting. And he's just like he's he's calling the snap count, throwing up like out of his like I was like man, just like he had to go get fluids like so we don't know what was wrong with Desmond Ritter, but then he comes back and runs ninety one yards for a touchdown. So apparently he was fine. But Brandon, you said he's been at not very good this year. He didn't turn the ball over. He threw a touchdown, ran for three, was dynamic, moved the ball consistently, but. I want you to also apologize. You you talked all this crap on our preview episode. I need you to apologize to the Cincinnati defense. Uh, no, I will apologize to Desmond Ritter, but no Cincinnati defense. I will not. I will not apologize. They, they just held SMU to 14 points under 300 yards, 1.9 yards per carry on the ground, 35% third down conversion rate, and forced two turnovers. I don't care, Zach. Uh, some people had the over in this game, and so I'm, I will not apologize. Oh, man, this is too much. But listen, I mean, th- this SMU offense was producing at an elite level. The secondary finally allowed a touchdown. 
just one through the air. But they're two top defenders, Ahmad Gardner, two catches for two yards on six targets, and Arquan Bush, zero catches allowed this game. Arquan Bush, my, my guy. <laughs> and listen, Jarrell White, the linebacker, their senior linebacker, the leader of this defense, 13 tackles, a sack, two tackles for loss, and a pass breakup. The defense overall sacked Bouchelle five times, had nine tackles for loss, and five pass breakups, Brandon. This defense is fast, physical. They have talent. And, Brandon, there was something the announcer said that I want to get your opinion on because I agree with it. You know, everyone keeps saying, like, oh, Cincinnati can't be for real. Cincinnati is just an AAC team. I think they would be a top five Big Ten team. Do you? Are they better? Are they better than who? Okay, who are your top five Big Ten teams right now? Um. Oh, a top five. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I for some reason when you said Big Ten, I heard Power Five. So no, like, yeah, <laughs> no, no. They're not a top five Power Five team. I'm just saying in the Big Ten, which is the region they play in, they I, I think they're right up there. I mean, you after the way Penn State played, I mean, you can make an argument they might be three. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Because maybe just behind Michigan, well, okay, four. They'd be just behind Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Michigan, I would say. I would put them at four. Okay. I mean, fair enough. And I think Wisconsin and Michigan would have to play really good games. to actually. I think if Cincinnati played their best and Michigan had an off week, I think Cincinnati could beat them. I mean, I can see that. I don't know about Wisconsin. We're going to keep Wisconsin's name out of uh, yeah. right now. Okay. But. okay, we'll get to Wisconsin in a little bit. But um, listen, I mean, Shane Bouchelle, average game. But I don't think it was all on him, Brandon. I think his lack of run production, his limited plays down the field really hurt this offense. I mean, he was 51% completion percentage for 216, a touchdown and interception. But Brandon... He was missing Reggie Robertson. We've talked about how big of a loss that is, but 20-plus yards down the field, which is where Robertson really shines, he was one for five for 24 yards. Right. right. And the, the, the secondary played – like were just clamped down on these wide receivers. There was nowhere to go. Um, the rushing game, like I said, only 1.9 yards per carry. Brandon with a long rush of 13 yards. Impressive. Very impressive. And I said the run game that produced would win this game. Well, out, even outside of Ritter's game, Jared Dokes ran for over 100 yards, two touchdowns. It allowed Ritter to, Ritter to fall into his rhythm. It allowed his, the QB to finally break out of his slump. Um, listen, I'm going to release my top 25 poll, my top, t- I'm just going to do a top 10. I don't, I don't want to do a whole top 25 because especially with all these teams I haven't played, it's just a lot. I went to make one. I was like, where, where does Oregon go? Like, does you, what about USC? Like, it was a whole thing, but, um, you know, I, I think this Bearcats team, Brandon, I really, really think right now, I think they deserve a top six, top five spot in the poll. I mean, this is their, Second top twenty-five win. They've they really they've been dominating teams. I mean, what else could they possibly do to like earn your respect? I mean, in any other year, I like to see them beat a team outside of their conference. I get that's not something that they can do right now, but uh, I mean, I don't okay. Know. So hear me out. I'm I'm gonna probably catch flack for this. I don't really care because I really believe this. Um, you know, this isn't even a hot take for me. I really truly believe this. I think in the neutral site, they beat Notre Dame. Do you? Yes. That's tough. That's that's that. Yes. That might not even be a hot take. That might just be a bad take. I I, I do. Okay. So, I think that I th- uh, do you not think they compete with Notre Dame? Maybe they don't win, but I think I think it's a close game. I don't think Notre Dame beats them by fifty. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think that it's. I don't know. I I think they could at least compete. Sure. I, I don't know. The disrespect. I don't know. I mean, if if I were a bookmaker, I'd probably sit in the line at like nine and a half, ten. I think I think Cincinnati would cover that a million times. That'd be my mortal lock of my entire life. Yeah, yeah. We're not really big gambling guys. We've shown that. <laughs> we've we've proven that day in, day out on this podcast. <laughs> Listen, I had someone text me way off topic here, guys. I had someone text me and was like, "Why don't you send me your gambling picks? I want to get into uh, I want to get into betting on football games." And I was like, "I don't think you want our picks, bro." Like, I was like, Brandon was on a little hot streak there, but I went yeah. one for three this weekend. What did I go this week? I didn't even check. I've stopped checking. I know that the Rob Your Bookie parlay is the last two weeks in a row. So oh. they might be cursed. Like, like if you want I feel, your like, team- I feel like that's an excuse, though. Like, because um, Rob Your Bookie parlay, I mean, that that's such like the odds of that are so, I guess, far out there. Like, it's like if you get that, that's outrageous. Like, hang on. You hit Oklahoma State. Yeah, I did. Wait, no, you didn't. You lost Oklahoma State because they only won by three. Ah, they lost three and a half. So you won Louisville. You lost Oklahoma State. You had Penn State on there, so that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> you lost. You lost Michigan State too because they lost to Rutgers. So you also three. had. You also had Minnesota who lost. <laughs> you yeah, lost. I, you were you were one for like five on your Rob the bookie, and then your other bets. You had Coastal Carolina. That's a win. Um, and you had NC State. Um. That was that was not a win. Um, Clemson, Syracuse over under sixty three and a half. I believe, you, yeah, you hit that. So, and then, but then your mortal lock of the week was Pitt. That's a that's a tough one. So I went two. That's and real two. bad. I went two and two. Yeah, I went I went oh, one bad. and three. I, hey, I hit my I hit my lock of the week though. I had K State and K State took Kansas to the cleaners. I mean, I'm batting five hundred right now. I'll t- I'll take that. I mean, that's Hall of Fame. All right, I'll I'll send the dude your number then. You can send him your picks. But <laughs> um, but listen, Cincinnati has to face Memphis next week. Brandon, will that gain some respect? If they blow out Memphis like this, will that get you a little bit of respect? Yes, that will gain my respect. Okay, okay. So they had to face Memphis um, while <clears throat> while SMU hosts Navy next week in a big AAC matchup. But guys, to the two games of the week here, two ranked matchups, Iowa State – Loses a close one to Oklahoma State, 24-21. And, Brandon, your opinion on this, but I need to ask you. For me, I think it's clear right now who the best team in the Big 12 is, and it's the Oklahoma State Cowboys right now. Well, yeah, I mean, we called that. You could have you could have asked me that the first week of the season. I That's said, true. You know we, we, yeah. Listen, we got so much flack for picking Oklahoma State, and uh, we had Oklahoma fans trying to find us and everything. Listen, is Oklahoma even in the top five? They they are number twenty four in the new poll. I think no, no no no. I said top five in the Big Twelve. I don't even know if they're top five because Kansas State actually leads the Big Twelve right now what because they played one more game than Oklahoma State. What I tell but, you, I told you I like Kansas State. <laughs> and this is with and this was the backup true freshman quarterback. Yeah, sp- 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 uh, Skylar Thompson's out for the year. Gosh, tough luck. That's tough look, but Brandon, what do you think of Spencer Sanders' return? Because for me, this was the most Spencer Sanders game of all time. He returned and did exactly what I would have predicted him to do. <laughs> yeah, he he he, he, <laughs> he, he had worse than Jameis Winston ratio. He uh, one touchdown, two interceptions. But I don't want to talk about Spencer Sanders right now, Zach. I want to talk about the coming out party for Chuba Hubbard, who actually showed up for the first time probably this year, this week, which is great for him. I mean, he, he, he showed up 
uh, had 140 yards rushing on 25 carries and a touchdown. And uh, he looked like he did last season. I mean, this was every single game for him last season, except for this is the first time that he's actually done it this season. Well, to be fair, he did against Kansas too. But um, okay, I get your point. I get your point. But, I mean, Brandon, if you liked running backs having elite performances, I think you could got it from either side. I mean, right. Chuba Hubbard played an amazing game. And, listen, as he's kind of picked up his pace, we've seen less and less of L.D. Brown. and. Yeah. I think I think Hubbard is um, now showing why he was really the best running back in college football last year. In my opinion, I think he was a little bit better than Jonathan Taylor. Um, but for me, man, Barisi Hall, I wish he was on a better team. This kid, this kid's got some talent. I mean, one eighty-five, a touchdown, over nine yards a carry. Brandon, yeah, it, I mean, he is incredible. He and and I know it's tough to say, but I, I mean. Is he the best running back in the Big 12? I think so. I, right now, I'd put him over Hubbard. Uh, yeah. I think I think when you compare uh, the seasons of the two running backs, uh, you if you've watched both of them, you have to go with uh, um, you have to go with Barisi Hall here. And also, I think Barisi Hall's running a, a behind a worse O line, has less help at quarterback and wide receiver, and probably and has way less help on defense. I mean, this Oklahoma State defense is. Tight top five in the country right now. Yeah, absolutely. And he and he put he put up he put up almost two hundred yards on them. Yeah. Um. And really and truly, Brandon. I mean, outside of Najee Harris and Travis Etienne, are you really putting anyone above Barisi Hall at third? I don't know if I can. I really don't. I can't. Th- I can't think of a single running back that would deserve a spot over him. Cameron Harris collapsed down the stretch. Um. Outside of that, I mean, is there anybody you really trust to to put above him? I haven't seen anyone play. Yeah, no, I I don't think so. I I don't know, man. But listen, I mean this this game was excellent. Um, you know, like I said, Spencer Sanders playing his Spencer Sanders game where he completes almost seventy percent of his passes. Brandon, two thirty through the air, seventy on the yard, two total touchdowns, but two interceptions where I literally. Don't know where he was throwing it. Fair enough. Yeah, I I, I text. I have a friend up here who um, is from Stillwater, and I texted him, and I was like, "I'm an Auburn fan, and Bo Nix doesn't raise my blood pressure like Spencer Sanders does." <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's saying so much. And, no, I, uh, <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> and listen, I mean, so I think after this game, Brett, as much as we talked about Shane Ellingsworth being really good and his time as the quarterback, I think Spencer Sanders is the best quarterback they have right now. Yeah, um, honestly, uh, listen, his legs make him too dynamic. I think the team sees him as more of a leader. I, I saw a different energy, a different focus from Oklahoma State this game than I did a few games ago while when, when Ellingsworth was in there. And Brandon, I, 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 don't, I don't know when this team's going to get respect or when this defense is going to get respect. But I think this is the best defense in the Big 12 by leaps and bounds, and I think this is a top five defense in the country right now. Uh, I mean, they are leaps and bounds better than any other defense in the in the Big 12. I'll say that. Yeah. I mean, and listen, this – so everyone's like, well, you just said Barisi Hall is – you know, just ran all over them. And I'm like, yeah, but Barisi Hall's ran all over everybody this season. 
because this kid's really good. But we just said he was a top five running back in the country. And this is also a defense that keeps being put in bad positions by poor quarterback play. Every interception Spencer Sanders throws, they get put in a bad position and they answer the call. Right. Uh, And listen, I want to say this. Uh, There's a lot of good safeties out there. I have not seen a better safety play this year outside of maybe Paris Ford than Trey Sterling for this team. Trey right. Sterling is elite. Another nine tackles, two tackles for loss, a pass breakup. I, I mean, he is just a run-stopping downhill type safety. And on the other side, you got Colby Harville Peel. He is a ball hawking safety. This team has so much talent at all three levels. I would like to see him have a little better pass rush, but I'm getting a little picky here. I think that Brandon, I really think this Oklahoma State team's legit. They had another three sacks, seven tackles for loss, another four quarterback hurries, and they made Brock Purdy look pathetic this weekend at points. They did. And I just don't understand why no one respects them. Brandon, okay, so ESPN or Hurt Street or somebody on ESPN releases their power rankings. Oklahoma State is still not in the top five of power rankings. Uh yeah. And, right. and, um, oh, what's, what's her name? I don't remember. She's on SEC Network or something and was saying that the Big 12 has already screwed up their playoff hopes and there's not a team that can get in the playoffs. It's like, this team is undefeated, the top six <laughs> in the country. Like, what, what in the hell are you watching? What are we talking about? Is this the same team that you're watching or, or no? And, and they're saying that, like, this team doesn't deserve a shot at the playoffs, even if it's undefeated. And all these fans are saying, well, the only two teams that really deserve a shot are Texas and Oklahoma. And it's like, this team is really, really good. I, I don't I don't understand the disrespect of Oklahoma State. I mean, it's the same thing with Cincinnati. It's like, just because it's not a blue blood program or a big name, I mean, are we just going to say they don't deserve a shot because of the name recognition? I don't know. I, I, I mean, I'm not going to. It's not going to be me you and, were saying that. And listen, this is going to piss so many people off, especially because I know where our listening base is. This team deserves to be ranked ahead of Georgia. Okay. They do. I'm sorry. Okay. Georgia, I, they really do. They're a better team right this second than Georgia is. Okay. And ah. I think this team's better than Notre Dame is. Okay, I'll agree with you on that one. I, I think they are better than Notre Dame. And we're going to give Notre, Notre Dame's what fourth in the country? I mean, I didn't give it to him, Zach. I don't know why. I don't know what do you, what oh, you mean. Man. And we're going to put okay. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm I'm here, bro. I am the martyr of the blue bloods. We're putting Oklahoma. We're putting Ohio State, who's played one damn game this year over a crappy Nebraska team, ahead of them too. <laughs> I mean, this is ridiculous. I, I'm yeah. so upset. This is just called Zach's angry. This is this whole segment. Wisconsin beat Illinois, Brandon, and jumped like six spots. Well, yeah. Oklahoma, I mean, it was Oklahoma, State's, Oklahoma State's undefeated, and people are saying that they don't deserve a top 10 ranking. Well, I mean, Wisconsin's also undefeated if we're, if we're going to do that. Uh, okay, listen, man. I'm, I'm so upset with the Oklahoma State, the Cincinnati slander. I mean, they put – okay, I, I know I was really high on BYU last week, but BYU is not better than Oklahoma State. And BYU was fifth in the power rankings, Brandon. BYU. They beat Texas State last night. Yeah. Yeah. I, I need well, you to remember what you just said. I need you to remember what you just said before we talk about Zach Wilson ever again. <laughs> no, Zach Wilson, elite. He is a hospital okay. contender. BYU is okay. a team, not a playoff contender. Um. But listen, uh, enough fault with the rant. Oklahoma State, legit. Iowa State, still a really good team. I still think Iowa State's a top three team in the Big 12, guys. I think mm-hmm. 
Uh, I, I really and truly, they need a QB change. Brock Purdy is not the answer. He under underperformed again in the biggest moment. Brandon, I think that's a theme that we're seeing. Um, but if listen, I, I hope next week they get some respect because Oklahoma State, Brandon, hosts Texas next weekend. And which honestly, man, if they win that, they pretty much almost clinch a Big 12 championship spot just about based on yeah. how many losses all these other teams are uh, having up. But listen, what's the best remedy for a loss in the Big 12, Brandon? A trip to Lawrence, Kansas. And that's where Iowa State is headed next week in a in a game where I don't even know if Kansas is going to show up. The team might just opt out of the season altogether. Everyone gets four wins. Um, let's go to our game of the week. Game day was here. And, oh, man, someone even commented on our post, our snippet about this on our Instagram and said we can't, they can't wait to hear what we have to say about this one, Brandon. Um, okay. We had number 18 Michigan up uh, – uh, not really uh, – you can't, I guess you can't say upsetting uh, – beating number 21 Minnesota 49-24, to 24, Brandon. And listen – No, I'll start it wasn't this, upset, wasn't it? Uh, no, I think Michigan was like a two- or three-point favorite. Who did we talk about that that was the uh, – SMU. That was SMU it. was the favorite over Cincinnati <laughs> some, right. for some reason. It was a top 10 team as an underdog. Oh, like, come on, man. But listen, I'll, I'll start this one out for you, Brandon. I'll eat my words because I was completely wrong against uh, about this game. Our, our snippet on our Instagram was me talking about how Jim Harbaugh was a bum and PJ Fleck is a elite coach that's way better than him and that Joe Milton's a fraud and all this stuff. Listen, I'm sorry. I get stuff wrong sometimes. I feel like we're pretty right a lot of the times, but this one I was wrong. Listen, Brandon, Michigan might have their most talented team under Jim Harbaugh, and Minnesota looks like that defense has regressed a million percent after losing seven starters to the NFL, and I was wrong about this one. But, Brandon, I know that you know you probably listened to this game, really didn't watch it because you were on your way back from Baton Rouge, but what could you take away from this one? Um. I mean, Michigan's a lot better than we thought they were. I guess, I, like like you said, I wasn't really watching this game. I uh, I had to, and you say I was on my way back from Baton Rouge. I was just driving like ten minutes down I twelve. Like I live, I live there. So <laughs> let's get that straight first, Zach. We don't want anyone getting the wrong impression here. Um, and then I don't know. I I, I guess you kind of have to wonder like what the issue was with this Michigan team last year. Uh, and you know what I'm going to do right now? I'm going to put all the blame on Shea Patterson. Shea. If you listen to this podcast, you were on this podcast one time. It was your fault. It was your fault. <laughs> That's disrespectful. <laughs> God, we're being hella disrespectful today. But listen, uh, let's bleep that part out. Let's bleep that part out. We'll, we'll edit that out. Uh, I'll just put like some radio silence in there. But um, <laughs> man, Joe Milton, Jesus Christ, dude, this guy, this kid looks legit. I mean. Yeah. He looks like the quarterback that Harbaugh keeps saying he needs. Well, I guess, I guess he was right finally. I mean, he played gigantic last night. I mean, this was a big moment for Michigan in this season. Um, I mean, Milton completed over 68% of his passes, 225 passing, one touchdown, also rushed for over 50 yards and a touchdown. Brandon, watching this game, he led this offense consistently. He looked like a true leader, and he always seemed to be in control of the moment. He wasn't rattled after Minnesota jumped out to a 7-0 lead. He wasn't shook by any of the changes or defensive schemes Minnesota threw at him. 
I, I can't believe I'm saying this. I think Milton if is going to take this program to the next level, and I'm excited to see what's next because I think this kid is absolutely legit. Yeah, uh, I mean, he, he had an incredible game. I, I mean, 225 yards and a touchdown in your first start, I mean, that's nothing to scoff at. And to say that you outplayed Tanner Morgan, I mean, that's, that's not uh, like uh, a we'll small get to him in a second. Okay. I, I could have outplayed Tanner Morgan last night. Fair. I was just sitting on the couch um, doing nothing. I could have outplayed Tanner Morgan. I mean, Brandon, he looked like a shell of himself. He did. And the good. run and the run game helped him. He had help. He had Rashad Bateman, who had nine catches, over a hundred yards. I mean, Morgan completed fifty eight percent of his passes, one ninety seven, a touchdown with a costly interception. His PFF grade, Brandon, was a twenty nine point two. Not good. He was almost as bad as yelling for Pitt. Oh well, I mean, we just keep taking shots at Pitt this game, this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Pitt was really bad, but I'm more pissed because Yellen's a freshman that hasn't started. We're talking about a senior here who some said was a top five quarterback in the country. Right. 29.2 is what you can give me in a been at home in the biggest matchup of the year so far in the big 10. You, you gotta do more. I mean, and then you had Muhammad um, Ibrahim. He played huge for the Gophers. He had zero help throughout the game. He had 26 carries, 140, and two touchdowns. So you have run help. And then you got Rashad Bateman on the outside, probably one of the best wide receivers in the country, probably the best wide receiver outside of Rondell Moore in the Big Ten. And what you giving me? Nothing. He had nine catches for 100 yards, but he only averaged 11 yards per catch, Brandon. This is a guy who was averaging 20 yards a catch last season, and Morgan could not push it down the field. Right. Michigan shut shut it down. Absolutely shut it down. And, Brandon, speaking of this Michigan defense, I don't even know what to say. God, I, I talked about how good their defensive line could be, but – Man, I don't, I think these offensive linemen need to lose their scholarship. They got their lunch eaten yesterday. Oh my god! Okay, I mean, jeez, dude. Oh, I'm so upset. I'm still not over revoking it. their am, scholarship. If you're gonna put up a performance like that, ah, dude. <laughs> I feel like we're gonna get canceled now. This is we took the shot fine. of Shea Patterson. You're telling student athletes they should have their scholarships revoked. <laughs> Brandon, what happens if you fail a class? Uh, you get put on, on academic probation. Why are you asking me, Zach? Because <laughs> I never failed a class. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know if you did either, so I was just trying to get, get the consensus <laughs> here. Um, but, I mean, man, this performance was god-awful, man. Five sacks, eight tackles for loss. The defense also had four pass breakups. And it could have been worse. Kawiti Pei looks like the best defensive lineman in the Big Ten. He was he was eating that 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 tackles a whole. I mean, his he took that dude's soul. I mean, straight up took this dude's soul. I mean, he 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 was one. Of, he was the highest graded edge rusher by Pro Football Focus this weekend. Two sacks, three tackles for loss. I mean, he was unstoppable off the edge. And Brandon, the biggest thing is this Michigan defense held a Minnesota offense that loves to push the ball down the field to six point four yards per completion. Right. I'm Come still on, when man. you say that he took his soul. Like he just went up and snatched it. 
Absolutely. I mean, okay. you could tell you could tell after the second quarter that wherever Pay lined up, that offensive lineman didn't want to be there. <laughs> I guess so. He was tired of it. He didn't want the smoke. Um, I mean, listen, Don Brown was beginning to feel a little bit of pressure last season, but he silenced all his doubters last night with a just impressive game plan. I mean, the game plan was so simple, Brandon. It was to sit back, force Morgan to throw underneath the defense, and come up and make the plays there. It just right. don't get beat deep, and they're not going to be able to score on you. And it was it was just flawless execution by this defense. It was perfect bend but don't break defense. They got after the passer. They did give up a little bit on the ground, but that that's to be expected. It was their first game of the season. Um, I was a little disappointed it wasn't a snow game, but that's fine. It's fine. I'm not too upset about it. I guess. Well, we got the snow game today. We got the we got the Denver Kansas City game. So that's true. That's true. But, Brandon, I mean, I got to get your opinion on this. For me, this Michigan team has a different look and feel to it, and if Harbaugh's ever going to make another run at a natty or beating Ohio State, it's got to be this season. I would like to see them play more games, personally. Um, Now, now I I heard the take today that um, there were certain teams who just during, uh, like, the quarantine and during times that football was supposed to be shut down and, you know, they weren't really supposed to be meeting. Some teams were. <laughs> Ohio State, not to say I called that or anything, but they did. Uh, so I feel like in the Big Ten, you know, you kind of have that certain disadvantage. So there, there's teams that that weren't as prepared as other teams. And so we don't know. Maybe it was that kind of case for Minnesota. I'm not trying to make any excuses here. But you're telling me that Jim Harbaugh doesn't strike you as the kind of guy who's just going to be practicing throughout this entire thing. Um, I definitely think he would. Uh, let's right, be completely right. honest here. Jim Harbaugh is already a bad dude, so um, <laughs> uh, I feel like I, f- <laughs> I don't know if he's a bad dude, but like he I'm definitely he he, he definitely doesn't strike me on the up and up. Zach was judging his morality right then. That was jeez, <laughs> we're canceled. That's it. I'm canceling us. Oh God! So you're going to be the one to cancel us? I see how it is, it's but me. it's me. Oh, man, dude. I mean, this game just upset me. I, I think they have the quarterback, the running game, the defense that looks elite. I think Michigan's legit this year, uh, B-Dub. I, I don't know what else to tell you here. I'm more upset with Minnesota than anything. P.J. Fleck let me down. All I did was praise him this week, and what did he do? He turned out a dud. He that you know, your soul. Brandon, Listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna use the F word. Minnesota oh, yeah. Golden Gophers for 2020 are frauds. After one game, after one game, they're frauds. That's tough, man. That's really tough. I mean, that, they're frauds, Brandon. Brandon, okay. they're frauds. Fair. I mean, if you think that, if you feel that strongly, then yeah, I guess. Wisconsin is going to take their soul in the middle of the season <laughs> this year okay. again, well, bro. They already had taken. Okay. I know. I guess you got to – I don't know, man. But listen, Michigan moves on to face their in-state rival, Michigan State, next weekend, who um, – can, can, can I say reeling? Is, is a reeling a good word? Or like ha- after their devastating loss to Rutgers? <laughs> oh, yeah. While Minnesota travels to face Maryland in what hopefully is a better performance, especially after Tagovailoa threw three interceptions this week um, in a tough game for the Tagovailoa family. But listen, 
we're going to move on here. Last segment of the day, guys. We're going to knock this out. We're going to wrap the show up with a newer segment. It's just all our old segments put into one so we can knock it all out. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the best performances of the weekend, break down the biggest upsets of this past weekend, and debate some of the biggest storylines. And I wanted to start with this one because this one's close to the heart of our boy Brandon over here. No, no, it is, no. It is Graham Mertz' intro to college football in which I don't even think Brandon thought he could I, – I guess he could do what he did. And if you say that you thought he could do this, I know you're a damn liar. So – did you did you see did you see Graham Mertz going twenty for twenty one, two fifty and five touchdowns this weekend? Honestly, I was pretty underwhelmed by his performance. Uh, I really thought Graham Mertz could go one hundred percent here. You know, I've been on the Graham Mertz hype train for like a year and a half now, and it's been you know like Zach said, I'm pretty sure you know he only gave me credit for the second episode. I'm pretty sure it's the first episode. I said Graham Mertz should have been the starter at Wisconsin. I've been very high on this kid. Wisconsin doesn't normally get these five-star, well, four-star in the composite, but five-star quarterback recruits. You know, they usually work with what they're they're given. Now they've gotten a highly touted recruit, and he's shown us what he can do. And Zach, like I said, his performance disappointed me. I thought he was going to be a lot better. Oh, man. You're wild. You are wild. I mean, dude, you've been on this kid for a while, but uh, I'm – I remember like texting you during this game. I was like, are you watching this ridiculous stuff? Oh yeah, Friday night. What? I don't have anything better to do on a Friday night. So absolutely, I was watching this game. Watching the Big Ten Network. Oh, I yeah. mean, Brandon passes twenty yards down the field. He was four for four, a hundred and thirty yards and two touchdowns. That's my boy. And then, you know, let's go 10-plus yards down the field. Let's combine the 10 and 20-yard. Six for six for three touchdowns and, like, 150 yards. That's my guy, man. I mean, this kid's performance blew my mind, Brandon. He graded out at a 93 for pro football focus. Yeah. It should have been. Wait, hold on. Only a 93? Only a 93. That's disappointing. I'm upset. Listen, when he was blitz, Brandon, he was six for six, 73 yards and three touchdowns. I That's mean, when they brought people, pressure. Some people work better under pressure. So, yeah. yeah. Listen, oh and I was I was having a conversation this weekend, Brandon. His QBR was a 96. What in the world more could he have done to get closer to 100? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I guess he could have. That that one incomplete pass could have been completed or something. I, I don't know. That that's ridiculous. <laughs> Graham Mertz on in his career, in his collegiate career, this is his second season, has had two incomplete passes. And you want you want to get a crack out of this? The one the one incompletion was a drop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, <laughs> so it wasn't even his fault, and they still docked the QPR. They said mm, he could have done better. He could have handed him the ball, I guess. 95% completion percentage, 250, 11, 11.8 yards per completion, five touchdowns gets you a, gets you an A, not even an A+. Plus. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, I told Zach already, I mean, I think I, think I have to go buy some Wisconsin gear. I, th- I think that's me now. I'm just going <laughs> to buy a Graham Merch jersey. 
Listen, and all, listen, so on the flip side, Isaiah Williams for Illinois had a three QBR. I guess that's a record <laughs> for the lowest I've ever seen. He was 0 for 3 in an interception. Well, Zach, this was, this was a revenge game for Wisconsin. Oh, that's true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Revenge game. Oh, that's a, hey, listen, I, I saw something. Okay, so we, we we had him on the on the podcast, um, Asher Lowe from Wisconsin, and I, his tweet killed me during this game. Um, he he was posting screenshots of people who like were coming after Graham Mertz when he was named the starter, and this this writer wrote an article, Brandon, about how Jack Cohen's injury was the best thing to ever happen to Wisconsin football. <laughs> <laughs> And fans lost their mind. They were like, listen, our coach knows he was going to start the best quarterback and Graham Mertz doesn't give us the best chance to win. And Asher was just tagging them, being like, yo, you up? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to give him some retweets. That's that's hilarious. That's the funniest thing Uh, I've heard ever. That's amazing. But, guys, let's move on here. Let's move on. We're going to stick in the Big Ten, though. We had – Arguably the uh, yeah, this was the biggest upset of the weekend. Um, number eight Penn State goes down to Indiana. Uh, it went into overtime. Indiana Penn State scores first, kicks a field goal. Indiana scores second. The coach said, "Nope, I got balls over here, bro. We're gonna go for two. And when asked about it, he just said, "Yo, I was tired of being." He was like, "I'm tired of being that." Just two, like he was like just one play away. We, we, he said we always just were like one step too short. And he said, "Guess what? I'm tired of being too short, so we're going for two. That 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 is just balls of steel right there, man. That is what a call. But Brandon, the biggest question of this episode is, did he actually make it? I mean, uh, I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say yes. Um, I saw the ball on the goal line, so I'm gonna say yes. Yeah, man. I, honestly, I, I don't think you can call it anyway. So, like, the way I explained it is, like, whatever the call was on the field is what you had to stick with. I yeah, think. I mean, you're not going to be able to overturn that. I, I mean, I watched that video a thousand times, and, like, you, people don't understand. To overturn a call, you have to have conclusive evidence. Like, it would have had to been, like, oh, like, he was clearly short of the goal line, and he wasn't clearly short of the goal line. Like I, Like I said, I watched it several times. And I still don't know. Like, it could have gone either way. Like, flip a coin. Yeah, and let's be honest here. The if you if you were rooting for chaos, he made it every single time, regardless of what you saw. If you're a Penn State fan or just someone who's a psychopath and roots for the favorite to win every game, then yes, he was probably short. But I mean, so Brad, we saw last year in North Carolina get a lot of flack for going for two against Clemson to put the game away instead of going into overtime. Do you like the call? I mean, I know it worked out for Indiana. It didn't work out for UNC. But for me, I feel like that is the perfect call. Why go through three or four overtimes trying to stop Penn State when you could put this away right here, right now? Well, and the thing is, like, I agreed with it with North Carolina last year. I thought it was a fantastic call. Even though they lost the game, I think this is is just as good of a call this year for Indiana because – if you're Indiana, what do you have to lose? Like if you Not lose a single this game, thing. if you lose this game, everyone expects you to lose this game. But if you win this game and here's your opportunity to win the game because Penn State kicked a field goal and you have all the leverage in the world, I mean, you win this game, you win this game, you uh, you win this game, you're a hero, you lose this game. Oh, well you're supposed to lose this game anyway. Who cares? 
Yeah, I, I agree. And listen, I know that some people, people are always going to be like, well, what if you didn't get it? Like, how do you know, like what's going to happen? It's like, man, you just got to put them away, man. You got to like, like to do said, I was tired of being too close. Right. And go for the win. And Brandon, another thing, how about Sean Clifford leading Penn state in rushing with 120 yards? That's, I don't understand that for the life of me. I didn't know that he had legs, honestly. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they didn't have a single bit of help in the run game. I, I don't understand how that happened or anything. But yeah, guys, Penn State goes down. They have a real good chance of starting like 0-2 against Ohio State now. So James Franklin um, really in a bad place right now, um, I guess, if we had to go there. But guys, this is the topic I've been waiting for. I know Brandon's dreading it. Um Rutgers is your 2020 national champions, right? Uh, Butkers, I don't know. I don't know if we can crown them quite yet. Uh, man, how how big of an upset is that? I mean, it's a big upset, but it's also like a Michigan State team that wasn't supposed to be great. You know, you don't have to like, you know, just ruin the whole thing. Go, go, look, I mean, at, go look at a picture of Rocky Lombardi. Go look at, at Michigan State's know, quarterback right I now know, and, and oh, tell I me know. that. Tell me that he's going to win you a game. Yeah, I, did you watch? Uh, <laughs> God, I wish we were live streamers. So I could post a picture, but do you, <laughs> have you have you ever watched American Horror Story? Oh my gosh, <laughs> bro! You know the little kids from uh, the uh, hotel season. Yes, he looks like he looks like one of oh, little spirit bro. kids, bro. Oh, like <laughs> you in the basement. Um, but man, how about the ten combined turnovers from this game? Fantastic. I mean, if you like chaos, you like this game. And I, I'm a big chaos fan. I mean, seven turnovers from Michigan State. Uh, they had five fumbles lost, guys, and two interceptions thrown, while Rutgers had three of their own. Like, how how does that even happen? I mean, Brandon, they fumbled it six times. No, seven times. They fumbled it seven times, lost five, and recovered two of them. I don't know, man. I, this is tough. It, I mean, it, it's like they had Zeke Elliott running the ball this weekend. He just couldn't hold oh, on to slipper. That's sorry. tough. Sorry, sorry. That's sorry. tough. You lose to Washington, you lose my respect. I mean, how about a quarterback, though, for Rutgers that finally put up a respectable QBR? I mean, they, he put up a 68.9. Yeah. I, well, I don't, we talked how about, do you do it? <laughs> we talked about Rutgers last year. They had multiple guys who, I mean, they were putting up what, like three, four, five QBRs at at best. I mean, when this is a huge three, four. When he says three, four, he doesn't mean thirty four. He means three, comma four, <laughs> four. <laughs> I mean, it, what about Michigan State, man? What's going to happen? I mean, they lose to Rutgers. They get to travel to Michigan next week. No, then they die. face. Then they go to Iowa with the Children's Hospital. Then oh, they face man. Indiana, who's really good, apparently. So, I mean, you're looking at 0-4 to start the season. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and then their last two games are against Ohio State and then at Penn State. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, it's, it's a tough scene out here. We all hate to I see mean, it. this is real bad. And how – and listen – Rutgers' next two games are against Indiana and, and Ohio State. Right. Listen, just listen. If they beat Indiana, if they beat Indiana, uh, all bets are off. 
I'm coming full force with the Rutgers side. We're covering Rutgers, Ohio State, I mean, and Rutgers is taking the win. I mean, I mentioned that I have to buy a Graham Mertz jersey. I, I mean, Zach, you're going to have to get a, a Butker's jersey if they win. <laughs> I mean, I am driving the hype train. I, I announced it on Twitter yesterday. Uh, is uh, right behind Auburn is Rutgers in terms of my hype train. They have passed oh, yeah. UNC and Sam Howell. Wow. Okay. This is a huge development, Zach. Uh, they passed them. Passed them. It, wow. It's like it's like Auburn, Rutgers, Sam Howell, and then Oklahoma State and Cincinnati. And you saw how upset I got about Oklahoma and Cincinnati. And, I mean, it, it it could be a problem. It is a problem. I will be going to counseling if Rutgers loses a game this year, but. Guys, to end the show off, we gotta, we gotta, you know, we always end the show like we end our preview show with Southern Miss, something close to Brandon's heart. We're ending it off close to Brandon's heart again. LSU, Brandon, they pull off the fifty-two twenty-four domination of South Carolina at home. Everyone said, "Man, Miles Brennan's out." There's an LSU's done for. That they're going to lose every game for the rest of the year. TJ Finley for the Heisman, Brandon. Why was Miles Brennan the problem for the LSU Tigers? Miles Brennan was not the problem, Zach. Don't Zach Zach is playing the role of every LSU fan in the in the world right now because people just don't I guess they don't understand that the middle of that defense is is really where, where LSU's lacking. It's the offense has been putting up over forty points a game, Zach. Yeah, Miles but Brennan. um but uh can can you explain what happened this weekend? I like Miles Brennan. I, I mean I like Miles Brennan. I like uh I like TJ Finley. During the game, we started chanting TJ Finley. I mean, that's cool. Imagine being a <laughs> freshman growing up in Louisiana. I mean, you graduated forty five minutes down the road in Pachatula and then you go to college and in your in your true freshman season you hear your name being chanted by the entire stadium. That's cool. But Miles Britton's like not a bad quarterback. Like he played He's played a great season, and people just aren't giving him the credit he deserves. I mean, he went two. He went one and two against Mississippi State, Missouri. Uh, I mean, no, and no, Vandy. the defense, Zach. I know what you're doing right now, and I don't. I don't like you. I don't like you for it. I think that's awful. It's an awful thing you're doing. Bo Nix has lost his last three games. So, what do you have no, to say about that? No, he has not. We're act- yeah, we actually yeah, won this weekend, Zach. We actually Zach. won this weekend. Leave it alone, Brandon. But <laughs> okay. did, did, did you hear? Like, did you? I, I got to send you the article, but I was reading this article that that said T.J. Finley is the next Jamarcus Russell. I have heard that. I've heard. I've heard Cam Newton being thrown out there. That's, 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 that's a tough. That's a tough. That's, that's tough. a tough job. That, that one is tough. Um, like, against South Carolina, he went seventeen for twenty-one. And still had an interception, Brandon. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how people are calling him Cam Newton. By the way, like he ran a couple times, but like he, 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 he's not he, super he mobile. He averaged three yards per carry, and they're calling him Cam Newton, who ran for like fifteen hundred yards no, in the and, season. And before this gets clipped, and before people start being texting me saying Cam Newton, really? Like that wasn't me who said that. I it was that was not my brain who came up with that. My my brain is dumb, so. Not me. I mean, okay. So I got to call this out, Brandon. We talked about Justin Fields and Graham Mertz having really high QBRs. How in the world is TJ Finley only one point below Justin Fields and only two points below Graham Mertz? Ah, great question. He uh, he had what four incompletions? He had um, about the same yards. He had a turnover. He only had two touchdowns. I need to. Where is the equation? 
<laughs> that's what I, I've been. I've been I asking that the equation. Podcast. I've been asking every single week. <laughs> Listen, okay. That I'm put. I'm writing that down currently as my job. Next, the next episode, we're gonna have week nine CFB preview. We're gonna have p- pick six, Brandon's gambling corner, and then Zach teaches everyone about QBR because I'm gonna figure out the formula. I don't. Think I, I feel like SpongeBob right now, bro. Like I'm trying to find out the Krabby Patty formula. That's like I need to know. Well, I meant like the show SpongeBob. My God, like I've been watching a whole lot of that recently. I've been watching a whole (laughs) lot of it. So don't don't question me on that. Okay, so I just I gotta know. Okay, so hang on. Colin Hill had five less completions on one more attempt, right? Than T.J. Finley. He had 234 yards to TJ Finley's 265. They both averaged 10 over 10 yards of completion. Colin Hill had one touchdown to TJ Finley's two, and they both had one interception, right? True. How in the hell is Colin Hill's QBR 13 and TJ Finley a 93? People really, I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess TJ Finley is just more likable, really. <laughs> How much does winning account for this formula? Because God. It's just like, yo, if you win, you get 30 points in the QBR. <laughs> like, all right, so one question here. We're going to cover it for pick six, but just a way too early opinion. You know, I sent you a tweet that an LSU account tweeted out about what happened the last time LSU started a true freshman in Jordan Hare. Don't do that to me. Are you feeling confident or are you just a little concerned? I'm confident, Zach. I'm real confident. And, and you know, LSU not only has one true freshman quarterback, they've got two. And they both played very well this weekend. Okay. Well, uh, the last time LSU played a two freshman and Jordan Hare, they also played two. And they both played poorly. <laughs> well, you know, that, that and, was last listen, time. We don't talk about uh, the past, Zach. I don't want to say this. Okay, so we talked about it off air. The last time LSU and Auburn played unranked was 1999. Auburn won that game 41-7. to We don't talk The about last that. time LSU played a true freshman quarterback in Jordan Hare was 2014 and Auburn won 41 to 7. All I'm saying is there's a good possibility Auburn wins 41 to 7 this weekend, Brandon. I don't well, it is in Jordan Hare, so I mean that's you know if this was in Baton Rouge you'd be done for. I mean, no question about it, done for. (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. We'd lose 1,000 to nothing in Death Valley. But, guys, we're going to have a pick seven next week. We're going to do the six best games of the weekend. Then we're going to do the Auburn-LSU game because we're going to have to. (laughs) Um, And you know how that goes. But, guys, that is a wrap on this episode, man. We appreciate y'all hanging with us on your Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or wherever the hell you end up listening to this. But, guys, it was a wild week eight of college football. We'll be back Thursday, uh, we're going to cover week nine. There's some big, big, you know, just playoff defining matchups next week. So make sure to tune in for that. You can find the podcast anywhere. Go to the bluebloodspod.com and there's links and everything for you guys there. There's articles. So check that out. Instagram at the underscore bluebloods, Twitter at the underscore underscore bluebloods, Facebook at the bluebloods pod. Check us all out there. There's links there to find us wherever you want to listen. Leave a review, rate the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, download your episodes, whatever you got to do, man. Just make sure you listen. Tell everybody. But guys, we'll be back very soon. But for right now, we out.